Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, it's me, Amara Jones. Welcome to the Trans Lash Podcast, a show where we tell trans stories to save trans lives. Well, the holidays are upon us, and I'm sure many of you are starting to work through your shopping list. But instead of heading to big box stores, why not use your holiday shopping to support some of the incredible trans makers and merchants in our community? And to help you with that, we'll talk to a couple of business owners about their products and entrepreneurial journeys. First, I'll chat with the founder of Binti Makeup and powerhouse performer Junior Mint to see what her brand is all about. One of the things that I realized makeup did for me was it kind of healed my inner child in a way and allowed my inner child to be able to express herself in a way that she was never allowed to growing up. Next, I'm joined by the founder of Oak and Moon Candles and Care, Michaela Giselle Brooks, who shares her entrepreneurial dreams. But my biggest goal for my business, Oak and Moon Candles and Care, is to, you know, create, hopefully, a billion-dollar business. And don't forget to check out our trans-owned business holiday shopping directory at transslash.org for more exciting gift-giving ideas. There are so many more people and products that we could fit into this program, so be sure to check them out and support. But before we get to these incredible conversations, let's start out, as always, with some trans joy. It's not every day that Black trans joy and spirituality are represented in fine art, but artist and business owner Jamaica Bridget is working to create more representation and to make it accessible to everyone. Wearable Art by Jam is a clothing brand and movement that aims to get art off the walls of elite galleries and onto the streets. Jamaica's bold, colorful, and gender-neutral designs are inspired by their own ancestral connections and Black spiritual practices. You can buy their gorgeous artwork as hoodies, fanny packs, bucket hats, and more at wearableartbyjam.myshopify.com. Here's Jam to tell us more about how their art moves through the world. People definitely get complimented because it's so unique. People get stopped on the street. I get stopped on the street. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I want the spiritual messages that I am putting into my paintings to be amplified. And so different people seeing this joy within my artwork, seeing the spirit of my artwork, seeing love in my artwork, seeing rebellion in my artwork. I want people to be inspired to embody those things. I want Wearable Art by Jam to tell you, live outside of the box, not just with your clothes, right? But with your love and how you love and what you do and what you call community and relationships, right? We don't have to do the things that we are taught are prescribed as truth. We can free ourselves in even the smallest of ways. And that can be a catalyst. 
Jamaica, you and wearable art by Jam are trans joy. I'm thrilled to get into this conversation with powerhouse drag artist, host, and entrepreneur, Junior Mint. Junior Mint is the creator of the cosmetic brand, Minty Makeup. Its vibrant colors and unique Black trans point of view have led to features in Vogue Beauty, Cosmopolitan, Thrillist, and more. You can buy one of her gorgeous eyeshadow palettes, eyeliners, or lip duos at mintymakeup.com or at over 650 JCPenney stores across the country. You heard that right. 650 stores. Junior Mint was also a co-host of the 2021 Brooklyn Liberation March, where thousands of people gathered to stand up for trans youth. You can also catch Junior Mint at her monthly drag show in Living Color in Brooklyn and on her talk show, The Junior Mint Show, coming soon to a TV near you. Junior Mint, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for the welcome. Hearing the bio being read always is kind of a grounding moment for me where I kind of get to reflect on things. It is for everyone. It is for everyone. So first of all, I'm still waiting on my invitation for the Junior Mint show, but that's just, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) You better believe it's coming, baby. You better believe. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Just let me know because I know I got to come fabulous. I need a warning. Please. (laughs) So I'm wondering why you decided to add entrepreneur to the many titles that you already have. You're a host, you're an artist, you're so many different things. Why did you decide to start a business? Well, for me, it was kind of a two-prong cause that led to the creating of my business. The one was wanting to, in the middle of the pandemic, as many of us experience in the Black trans community, I didn't know where my next meal was coming from as a nightlife entertainer. The system does not (laughs) protect us when everything goes awry. So for me, I didn't know where my money was coming from. I didn't know if I was going to get unemployment checks because I work nightlife. And as well, I'm the primary caregiver for my mom. And so for me, on the realistic side of things, I was sitting there being like, I don't know what to do when I'm not able to show up and do a performance or be able to work from a remote location. And so for me, I was like, okay, Junior, honestly, kind of looking at other amazing individuals in my community, I realized one of the ways in which I could actually find a way to take care of myself and my mom financially was through creating a business. And when that happened, I then began to ask myself, what impact could I have in my community with whatever business I'm starting? And for me, with everything that I do with my career, I want to try to get greater stability for my own life, but I also want to try to enrich the lives of my community because I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't know about myself nearly as much as I do. I wouldn't be as comfortable with myself. I wouldn't know my power, all of that. And so for me, that's when it kind of harkened back to drag for me because for me, realizing my transness came through doing drag And I'd be sitting in my bathroom at the end of a night and I'd be bawling in tears, not wanting to take my makeup off because I realized through that process that the only time I allowed myself to see myself as a woman was in the makeup. And it reminded me of the transformative powers of makeup and the fact that makeup has the ability to allow you to create yourself deeper in the image of who you see yourself to be 
or also create yourself into the image of an extraterrestrial alien, into the image of a completely different gender that you may not identify with outside of the makeup, but the makeup brings it out. And it's those different qualities of makeup that I was like, I would love to be able to give to my community something that's reliable, something that is designed and formulated with black and brown skin first. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. It came out of a necessity because I needed to figure out how I was going to eat and how my mom was going to eat. That's kind of like the origin stories of becoming an entrepreneur. So how did you go about designing and figuring out how you were going to do this? So you came up with the idea, grounded in your personal experience, decided it was makeup, but then how in the world did you figure out what to do next? Honestly, Google. Googling how to create a makeup line. <laughs> and one of those WikiHow articles came up with the like funny images of people trying to depict what it's saying each step is. And I looked at it and the first thing that it said was to reach out to manufacturers. So I ended up doing some research online and I was able to find different names of manufacturers, manufactured makeup for Maybelline and different cosmetics lines. And I reached out to them and I asked for a list of other manufacturers who create makeup as well, but don't do what they do. So they were comfortable to give me the information and then compiled a list of manufacturers. Then it's reaching out to them in order to like get product from them and sample them. And for me, one of my first forays into transitioning my body into something that felt more at home to me was through skincare and through like getting laser done and things like that. So for me, my knowledge of makeup, ingredients, skincare, all of those things I naturally just kind of had from my experience. So once I got the product in from all of these manufacturers, I was able to get ingredients lists, switch out ingredients, swap them, and trying to make it happen in a way in which honestly has been my experience as an individual in the world, which has been like, nobody's going to give me the tools for this. Nobody's going to give me a guide map. And yeah, getting a lot of samples in each step of the way. There was a Google to how do I design packaging? How do I do this? And there's little guides online that were helpful, but it was that a dream and one friend of mine who was really good at Photoshop. <laughs> so you did all this incredible research and showed like such entrepreneurial spirit and skills in figuring this out. And then how did you figure out like, well, this is what the brand is going to be, and this is what the colors are going to be, and this is what, you know, we're going to use as kind of our marketing approach. So how did you land on those really important business ingredients? All of the uh, creative decisions have come from me or things that I've heard reflected by people in my close community of people. One of the things that I realized makeup did for me was it kind of healed my inner child in a way and allowed my inner child to be able to express herself in a way that she was never allowed to growing up. So for me, the direction for packaging and things like that came from wanting to f have it feel kind of speaking to the inner child of individuals. So that means kind of like a beautiful animated version of me where also a Black trans woman's face is on the front of this. And when you're looking at it, you're looking at the face of a Black trans woman. And then when it comes to the colors, I wanted something that was versatile enough for all of the experiences and situations that queer individuals can find themselves in. 
because we can find ourselves going to a gala. We can find ourselves going to these big events, but then we also just find ourselves wanting to kind of just look cute on the street. And so I wanted to make sure that the colors were something bright and vibrant. So that way you could use all of the options of makeup, because oftentimes from my experience, makeup is typically designed for cis women who are trying to go to an office. So it's muted colors. It's not something necessarily that is supposed to have you stand out from across the room or have somebody see it from a block away. And so I wanted to kind of play with expression and allow colors to be in there that can have you stand out, that you can use if you're going on stage to speak or do a performance, but also colors that kind of work if you are a person who maybe wants more subdued colors. And as well, just naturally, I like bright colors. And I think that seeing bright colors in a palette or in anything kind of gets in touch with our inner child in that before we are taught to minimize ourselves or not shine as bright or don't be the full version of yourself, it's been really amazing to get to hear people's experience with the makeup and having somebody say that, yeah, this is the brightest color that I've ever worn and I've gotten the most amount of compliments on it. Or I've had somebody ask me um, a million times, where could I get this shade? Because I haven't seen it before. And it makes me just very happy because it feels like I'm getting to show people something that they love that they didn't know that they loved yet. I mean, I think one of the things that is really clear about you is that you're actually a really brilliant marketer. There's so much brand consistency in everything that you do from your entertainment to your appearance to your name to the trademark to the colors. Like there's just a tremendous amount of brand consistency and reinforcement in everything that you do. And that comes across in the product. And it's no surprise that you would land on kind of this bright color palette, even from that standpoint. And as you said, it's motivated by your inner child that you never got to express, which is why there's, you know, again, this consistency in all of your presentations. I'm very thankful that my start in performance or honestly just owning my own power was through drag because I think it allowed me to have an art form that had me ask deeper questions of myself um, in terms of how do I want to be seen on stage? What feels comfortable for me just to be perceived in? Because before then, I had studied scenic design. I got my degree in that. I did theater, tech theater. And so for me, most of the time, it was just throw something on that can cover up your body and go and do the work. And drag allowed me to actually ask myself, what feels beautiful to me? What feels good to me? And it taught me how to more easily access all of the different pieces of myself that I hadn't been in touch with. And I think that being in my head has allowed me to kind of pinpoint a lot of the different things that I found helpful for me. And I think that those tools and things that I use like makeup were things that I understood could be helpful for other people and helpful for them in a plethora of ways from the marketing of it to the ways in which I talk about it to the spaces that my makeup finds itself in. When you got the knock on the door from JCPenney, what was that like? It's probably one of the most mystifying moments of my life. I launched the makeup, I believe, in May of 2021. And I launched it. And then two weeks later, our stock of 500 pallets were sold out. And I was just over the moon because one, in a business mindset, I'm so thankful that like it's going to pay out and we're going to have money to get more stock and there's some money that I can take from it to be able to help cover my rent. And I was just happy with that because 
I just did not anticipate a department store reaching out. And then about a month, a month and a half after selling, we were about to sell out of our second round of stock. And one of my friends basically took the palette and showed it to this woman and was like, look at what a friend of mine just created in New York. And she happened to be Nikeo, and she owns this beauty retail space called 13 Loon. And when she reached out to me, she's this amazing Black woman who is taking over all of the beauty department for JCPenney and was just like, there's no way that this woman can't be a part of it because she tried out the makeup and loved it. And she honestly said that it made her want to stay out hours later that night. Like she just wanted to stay out with the makeup on. And when she sent me over the email with the details and we got onto a Zoom call, I am still flabbergasted at the fact that I haven't had to give up a piece of myself in order to get to this point. Hmm. And it's felt like I've gotten to double down on all of the things that I wanted to do and wanted to bring into this business. And getting to organize photo shoots with black and brown trans models only, help one of my friends, Charlotte, build her portfolio by booking her as the makeup artist, amazing black trans woman who is like literally came up to me and was saying that she has a portfolio of work because of it. And it's for me, those are the moments that mean the most to me because it does me no good if I'm the only one doing well. Mm -hmm. And I want to look around and be able to say that because I'm doing well, we're doing well. And so for me, I'm still kind of honestly in shock. And a little piece of myself, the part of myself that grew up scared, that grew up resource scarce, no money, not necessarily sure where I'm going to be living, all of those things. It's just kind of just trying to make sure that it sticks around for the rest of the community. And I want to try to help other people who want to start a business or start a makeup line get into the same shelf space. So I'm just honestly still flabbergasted by it. And I'm just trying to sit in the appreciation of what I've accomplished, but also remembering that it's not nearly all of what I can accomplish. Mm -hmm. So what's next? (sighs) Next for the makeup line, there's some new products that we're about to release. We're going to be releasing nude lipsticks in a variety of shades, which I always say is first and foremost formulated for black and brown skin. So it's not going to be different shades of makeup that I've walked into beauty stores and been like, none of these work for a Black girl. None of these. So I want to release a line of nude lipsticks that work and are formulated for my community. We are also going to be releasing a product that I didn't learn about until I started doing drag, which was Clown White. It's basically this cream foundation that is stark white that typically is used in clown makeup, but in drag makeup, it is used as a base for the eye makeup because it allows you brighter pigment. And it's just one of those little things that I'm like, if more people knew about this, I think that more people would also feel like makeup could be accessible for them because oftentimes it barely shows up if I try to use a foundation or something as my base. So I want to like give more of those little tips and tricks. I'm also going to be re-upping my podcast and there's going to be a visual element to it that's going to be released in the next month and a half that is going to allow us to talk about makeup, get tutorials, get more information about how to start your business and as well hear more stories from the community that's around me. Also, there will be my talk show, uh, The Junior Mint Show, which is also being sponsored by my makeup line, which I'm like, it feels beautiful to be able to do that. What I think is so 
powerful about the conversation we're having is that you're literally showing how to start your own business and the way that it can go from an idea in your head where it seems like you have no resources in order to help bring it about to taking it step-by-step, walking forward and allowing it to grow and to expand, you know, and now you're on the verge of the next level. And I think so many times people get paralyzed by the idea that they don't know Mm -hmm. or that it's too big and they don't know if they have all of the skills. But I think what you've shown is that through creativity and focus, you can learn. And if you stick with it, you can have a really powerful source of income, which is especially important for our community. Mm -hmm. It is very much, very much something that I'm proud of, getting to kind of show that it is possible, but also here's some of the steps and here's some of the tips and the tricks to kind of navigate it all because we aren't given the tools. We aren't given any information. If anything, I believe that the system is set up to make us not have those skills, to set up to make us fail, to allow us to not be able as Black queer individuals to have our own businesses. And for me, I'm just one, so thankful to my community because they also taught me that even if you don't have the tools, even if it doesn't feel perfect to you, your community will still be there to support because so the first palette launch that we released, I thought I crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. On the first palette, there was like two misspellings in different shade colors. That whole lot of it sold out in two weeks. And I say that because there's so many things that I didn't do right the first time. But because I had that support of my community, of people who wanted to support something that I was creating, even if they didn't know how it was going to turn out. And... Mm -hmm. I say that because sometimes even when it doesn't feel like there will be someone in your corner or it doesn't feel like there's someone who's willing to jump in, just try it and you don't know what the outcome could be. And I think that's something that my mom said as a kid growing up was the only thing that beats a fail is a try. And I knew that if I didn't at least try to start the business, I would look back and say, well, I could have done that or this could have been an amazing opportunity. And I'm glad that I jumped at it because a friend of mine, when I was feeling anxious about starting the business in the beginning, was saying, what do I want to do with my career when um, I physically can't perform anymore? Because it's not a matter of if you become disabled, but when you become disabled. There will be a time where I won't be able to go onto the stage and do a performance in the ways in which I am able to now. And that's something that's been a big motivator for me to help myself and other people begin to figure out what is this secondary source of income that doesn't necessarily require you in certain ways to do something, something that can be long lasting in terms of providing you money and providing you support in that way, because it's hard enough to try to start anything or do anything, but it's even harder when I'm trying to start a business or do this thing while I also don't know how I'm going to eat and I also don't know how to do these things. The business doesn't have to happen in two weeks. It doesn't have to happen in a month. It can be a year of building. It could be two years of building. But as long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, building that next step to get there. Lastly, you said that one of the things that was motivating you 
in terms of makeup and performance was your inner girl who never found expression when she was young. I'm wondering what you think that she would think of what you're doing now. Oh, she would be living. She would be living. (laughs) When I tell you every single part of myself as a kid thought that all of the different parts of me and all the different pieces of me were going to be all the reasons that I didn't have love, that I didn't have support, that I didn't have community, that I wouldn't have success in my life. I thought that my high-pitched voice, I thought the fact that I like to wear dresses and look femme, I thought the fact that I had burgeoning hips, like all of these different things that people pointed out as things that were flaws with me. I was like, these are going to be the reasons why I'm going to end up alone and I'm going to end up just not happy in my life. And to one, just get to walk around as a Black trans woman who is proud in her body, who loves who she is, who loves getting to express myself and getting to be the most feminine version is already shoots my little kid self to the moon. And then adding on to the fact that there's this makeup line, there's all of these different pieces of myself that I've gotten to build out and turn into businesses that I don't have to give up a piece of myself for. So I feel like the little kid inside of me is just jumping for joy and so thankful that she got proven wrong that the parts of herself were going to keep the love and joy away. Well, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on all your success to date and all of the success to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. And on a personal note, thank you for like decades of working and trailblazing so that way I could be where I'm at. (laughs) Thank you. It is not lost on me that what I'm doing is, it's another brick in the trail of trying to get us to liberation. And I'm just so thankful that women like you took up the space that you did and fought for us in the ways that you did because little kid me would not be able to jump for joy in a world that doesn't have you in it. So thank you. Thank you. And I'm pretty sure you're the trailblazer. That was creator of Minty Makeup, Junior Mint. Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so glad to be chatting with the owner and founder of Oak and Moon Candles and Care, Michaela Giselle Brooks. Michaela Giselle is a fearless solopreneur who has been building her business from scratch since 2021. Working in collaboration with the Transgender District's Entrepreneurship Accelerator, she launched Oak and Moon Candles 
and care to rave reviews. Her products include handcrafted, luxury-scented soy wax candles made with the finest vegan, non-toxic ingredients. You can buy one of Oak and Moon's long-lasting candles and scents like Moroccan cashmere, roasted coffee, and orange blossom from her website, or find Michaela Giselle at Artisan Markets across San Francisco. Michaela Giselle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great intro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Michaela Giselle, the life of a solopreneur is not easy. And I'm wondering what appeals to you personally about it. Why did you decide two years ago, hey, I'm going to start my own business? Yeah. Well, to me, no, it's not easy being a solopreneur. Of course, it takes a lot of drive, a lot of self-motivation. But lucky for me, I have that. So it does take a lot of learning and applying new skills. But I really do love what I do. You know, it brings a sense of joy and it brings a sense of pride to my work. And it raises my confidence. To me, it is a lot easier than having to clock in from, you know, for a a nine to five and have management and everyone else breathing down my neck. (laughs) So for myself, this being a solopreneur has always been a passion of mine uh, since I used to sell candy in middle school. Selling candy in middle school allowed me to not have a job and to not have a cap on how much I made. Uh, which was really great. And I feel that now, you know, I don't have a cap on how much money I can make each week. But of course, I don't have that security either. But i rather be in this position than any other position. So it seems like, as what you're telling us, like sales and kind of entrepreneurship have always been in your blood. Did that start in middle school or was it even before? Like you knew that you wanted to do your own thing and have your own business. I'm wondering how far back kind of the drive for you goes. Yeah. So for myself, um, back when I was younger, my mom used to always tell me that I'm going to be an attorney. So for the majority of my young adult life and into college, I was studying political science, you know, in the debate teams and things like that. And I had a clear goal to be an attorney. And yes, I was selling candy in school, but my goal was to hopefully become a Supreme Court justice. That was the goal. (laughs) Of course, it has changed since then. But I always did want to work for myself. You know, being an attorney, obviously I would not, but I did want to start my own practice at some point. So that drive to always work for myself was there. And that has been from a young age, certainly since middle school. I'm not sure if it was before then, but yeah, I've always had that drive. Is there anything in your experience as a Black trans woman or growing into your own gender identity, which also helps to propel the drive to entrepreneurship? Or is it, as it kind of sounds, it's been there just for a really long time? Well, me being a trans individual, in middle school and in hiding, (laughs) um, you know, throughout all my life, I just knew that I didn't fit in anywhere. You know, I just did not fit in. And I think in collaboration with me being trans and having that drive, it really pushed me to want to, to work for myself rather than always having to hide in a sense. 
I will say that I started my business in 2021. And that is also when I started my transition. So at the same time, simultaneously, I'm doing both things, which has been really tough. It has been very challenging at times because, you know, when you're on HRT, a lot of things are changing, especially mentally and emotionally. So I've started HRT while starting my business in the sense that I didn't have to fully manage my emotions around other people at a job or with other, you know, like management and things like that. I was able to just be with myself and um, show myself self-care and love and put that into the products that I make. I know a lot of people listening can relate to this connection between gender identity and the desire to start your own business in the way that you did, even though they there's not causality there. That is say one didn't cause the other. They happened at the same time. And so you mentioned earlier that there were things that you had to learn, new skills that you had to learn. What did you have to learn? And how did you overcome the fear that can sometimes paralyze people that you have the capacity to learn them? How did you have confidence in yourself? Hey, I don't know how to do these things, but I'm pretty sure that I can learn. YouTube University (laughs) teaches you so much. So, you know, for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I wanted to be a solopreneur or an entrepreneur. I don't want to be alone the entire time. (laughs) But I knew that the information is out there. All I need to do is put my mind to it and find it. So joining with YouTube University, also with the Transgender District, and with the Renaissance uh, and Women's Business Association, I was able to really pick up a lot of skills. And what I'm learning are things like like financial management, uh, bookkeeping. I just got out of a class where I'm learning social media marketing or online marketing. And, you know, all of these things are super useful because, you know, I studied political science and I also studied fashion design. So none of this has to do with business. So I'm definitely having to take courses in order to pick up new skills to apply directly to my business. And I'm not moving in fear. That's the thing is, I guess my fear is being stagnant. My fear is not growing. My fear is not succeeding in my business. I strive for the best. I try to provide the best quality products out there. And I can't do that or even put them in the hands of my consumers if I don't know these skills. So these skills are a tool for me to accomplish the things that I want. And there is no fear behind it. Right. And so it's actually the fear of not succeeding or doing the thing that you want. It was greater than the fear of there being things that you didn't know how to do. Yes. And I mean, also the fear of working a nine to five for the rest of my life and having a financial cap And always being underneath someone's boot is something that I fear. (laughs) Yes, I think that that's a fear that, you know, a lot of people can relate to, especially in this moment. So you knew that you knew how to do sales from a very young age. You knew that there's skills that you needed to have and you started to work on those. How did you land on a product? How did you say candles are my thing? That came to me by chance. I had, uh, well, there's multiple factors that, played into me going into candles. One, 
I had a roommate who was making candles and I didn't know how to make candles. And I saw, you know, her products and I was not a fan of her products. I couldn't really pick up the fragrance or anything like that. Um, no tea, no shade. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but it was not a good product. And so, of course, I still support it because, you know, you're my friend and I support. I moved on from there. And one day I went into the store and I saw some really cheap candles. And before this time, I had never actually purchased candles other than my friend's candle. And I bought like 13 of these really big candles. And I took them home so excited because the cold throw was just so amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is going to smell so good when I go home. When I go home and light these candles, I cannot smell them. The cold throw was really great, but the hot throw didn't do anything. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't fill up the room. So in order for me to smell them, I had to sit right next to them. And while I'm sitting next to these candles, I didn't realize it at first, but after a couple days, I started getting migraines, headaches, and just feeling really sick. And it took me a minute to figure out what was going on. And I noticed since I'm hovering over these candles, trying to capture that, that smell, I'm you know causing myself harm. I do research into the candle to figure out why that might be happening. And I'm learning that the wax that is used is really not great. I'm not going to say that it's, you know, going to harm or kill anyone, but it just, for me and for a lot of other folks that I'm hearing, toxic ingredients or candles made of like paraffin wax and other things like that can be really unpleasant for a lot of folks. So I decided to do my own research, figure out what a wax would be the best to use on any candle. And at this time, I'm not really thinking about making it myself, but I wanted to figure out what is the best kind of wax and candles out there without any toxic ingredients that I can purchase. And while I'm doing that, I'm just like, hey, what if I just made my own, like my friend made hers? So I definitely started purchasing products. You know, I started out on you know, one of the leading websites where you can buy anything. And I ran into that same issue that I don't smell that hot throw. So I did more research and I found different waxes. And ultimately I found the one that I'm using now, which is the highest quality soy wax on the market. And it is amazing. Hands down, I will never use any other product. It's amazing. And I love my products. Thankfully, to my friend who started showing me her products and then testing out the market and figuring out what really works for me. And I decided to share that with other folks as well. What's the biggest compliment you've gotten about your products that affirms you and affirms what you're doing? The biggest one? I mean, I can't even say what the biggest one is. I receive so many compliments on a normal basis. It's just consistent. I don't really receive any negative reviews. I mean, I guess the biggest compliment to me is having repeated customers, almost in a way like building a whole community around my candles. I have customers who just cannot wait to see me. Where are you going to be next? You know, 
okay, well, I'm saving my money for, you know, I'm going to pick up three, you know, and they're going to share them with their friends. And it's our ritual. We have our Pilates with our trainer and we go home and we burn our candles, you know, like learning that I'm becoming a part of um, like a household's ritual. That is a huge compliment to me. And when I do, I'm at these artisan markets and my repeat customers come over and they run into other customers who are new like, I don't have to sell my products. One, the, the candles sell themselves. But when I have repeat customers join us and they start raving about the products, it's like, oh my God, like, I just have to sit here and just, <laughs> you know, I don't have to do or say anything because my repeat customers, loyal customers are doing that for me. And that is just the biggest compliment to me. Um, and it brings me so much joy that I'm able to provide this to the market. What do you have to say then to trans people who want to start their own business? What's the advice that you give to them since you've done this successfully and you've kind of gone through the full range of skill set development and product ideation and selling and testing and refining based upon your own experience and customer feedback. What do you have to say to someone who also wants to do the same thing? If we're talking specifically to the trans community, we are amazing. And there is obviously us living and breathing in today's society is a riot already. So if we have the strength to be our selves, to love ourselves and to show the world our love for ourselves, being our natural selves, if we have that, if we are that brave, we can definitely run a business. We can definitely, you know, leave our mark on our community, on the communities around us, you know, in the world and in the marketplace. We have that drive, you know, especially if you are living as your true self and in your truest identity. You're so brave and I'm proud of you. There is nothing that can stop you. I would say that don't let other people's thoughts and ideas and preconceived notions scare you out of your bag. One, you know, or even if it is not about money, because for me, it was, it didn't start out about money, but of course I do want a business to be successful and to grow. But if it's about doing something that you love and starting a business that way and watching it grow, you will see that, like I said earlier, my confidence has risen tenfold, a hundredfold. When you start something and something that you love, it's just like no going back and you will never be the same person ever again. And you'll see the changes in how you think about yourself and you know, of course, if you have a good product or if you have a good service, you're going to receive that love right back from your customers, from your community. I would say be patient with yourself. That patience is key. Burnout is real, especially as an entrepreneur. If you're doing this solo or even if you're doing this with partners, I would say be kind and be generous to yourself and to those with whom you're working. Take it easy figure out what you want to do. Don't rush into it. If you have to work a side hustle, then work that side hustle to support your business. But as long as you were taking one step at a time and putting one foot forward each and every single day, you will be successful. 
And even if, let's say, whatever business you do start doesn't work out, the skills that you learned in starting your business, it's you can't take that back. No one can take that away from you. So you can apply that even if you decide to go back to work. You can apply that to whatever workforce you plan on entering, or you can use that information to start a new business. You know, don't let any preconceived notions or ideologies around us stop you from being your truest self and loving yourself in the way that you deserve. And lastly, for you, when you are lying in bed at night and you've gotten past the worry of whatever you're thinking about happened that day or the next day, all the things that you have to juggle, and you think about what you're trying to build, when you think about the goal that you are driving towards for you and your business, what for you is the highest ideal that you have for yourself and for what you're trying to do? I just want to live easy. I want to relax. I want financial freedom. I want to be able to not have to work, not look at my phone, not have a million things scrambling in my brain. I would love to be in a constant state of like a quieted mind where I can just be in the moment 100% of the time and relax and not have to worry about the next steps to accomplish my goals. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm a Scorpio, so I always feel like I need to be better. And so even when I do reach those goals, of course, I'm probably going to be looking for something else to accomplish. But my biggest goal for my business, Oak and Moon Candles and Care, is to, you know, create hopefully a billion dollar business. I would love to be like the next Rihanna out there in the market. Black woman really succeeding in her craft and really providing our customers with the things that we love, enjoy, and even need in our lives. I want to be a well-known name in every household around America and even globally as well. Amazing. Well, I think that we all hope that you get there and have every faith that your dream will come true. We just hope to be able to get a swag bag every now and then, you know, when you become a billion dollar business. But (laughs) I just wanted to thank you and to congratulate you on Oak and Moon Candles for having made it this far. And we're excited to see what comes for your future. And we will be linking to Oak and Moon Candles to everyone who is listening in our show notes and also through social media so that people can know how to purchase your candles if they wish before the holidays. Thank you so much, Michaela Giselle. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm very happy to be um, a part of this interview. Uh, with Translash and uh, your audience know um, that we can do this. We got this. Thank you so much. We got this. That was entrepreneur and founder and solopreneur of Oak and Moon Candles and Care, Michaela Giselle Brooks. Thank you for joining me on the Translash podcast. Now listen all the way through to the end of the show for something extra. Special thanks to Hogwarts Hobbit for giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast that says, quote, 
As a trans non-binary person who's still sorting out coming out and new to learning about trans history, topics, and the nuances around it, I am so thankful for Amara's dedication and work. I also love learning about other trans authors, artists, musicians, and resources so I can continue to learn from a variety of sources. Absolutely essential listening. Closed quote. Well, thank you, Hogwarts Hobbit, combining two totally different genres of sci-fi and, you know, fantasy, things that I love. And you are an essential part of our show as well. So thank you so much for giving us this review. And for everyone out there listening, if you want to help support us, please go and leave your own five-star review on Apple Podcast. You might just hear it on the show. And we're being trolled by a lot of trolls who are giving us one stars and trying to drag us down on Apple. So please be sure to go there and leave your five-star rating. The Translash Podcast is produced by Translash Media. The Translash team includes Oliver Ash Klein and Aubrey Calloway. Sandra Adams is a contributing producer to the show and our sound engineer. Brennan Beckwith is our social media producer. Digital strategy is handled by Daniela Capistrano, and the music you heard was composed by Ben Draghi and also courtesy of ZZK Records. The Translash Podcast is made possible by the support of foundations and listeners like you. So this week, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to several weeks at home, winding down for the holidays and the end of the year. It's been such an intense year for any number of reasons. And I think that we are all feeling it. And so the fact that we are going into a time of the year that's kind of frenetic, but frenetic in a different way feels good to me. And I'm hoping that we can all close out the year kind of on a slower note because next year is going to be really intense. So as we move into this last month, yeah, do what you can to bring it down a little bit.